What does the gospel sound like to you? What does love sound like to you? I'm sure if we think about it, we all have ideas in our heads when we say love, what we mean. Sometimes love can be really nice, and sometimes love can be really easy. Sometimes, though, love can be really hard. And sometimes love can change our lives. When Jesus first went back to his hometown, everyone loved seeing him. They loved the idea that this boy they had seen grown up, whose family they had known, had come home and was teaching them in their synagogue. They were so proud, and they listened to every word Jesus said. They loved seeing him there. But then things began to change. Because the same boy that they had loved seeing and hearing, who had come back to teach them, suddenly began to say things that the people who loved their religion, who loved their faith, did not want to hear. You see, those who were devout Jews at the time, who followed all the Jewish law to a T, knew where they stood with God. They knew that they were God's chosen people, and that by following the laws that God had given them throughout their history, they would be on God's good side, and everything would be just fine. They knew that someday the long-awaited Messiah would finally come to them, and on that great and miraculous day, they would be freed from all their oppression, and God's kingdom would finally reign on earth. Boy, were they surprised when Jesus, Mary and Joseph the carpenter's son, whom they had known since he was a toddler, boy, were they surprised when he said that he is the Messiah, that he is God's anointed one. But Jesus didn't even stop there. Because not only does he say that he is the one that the entire people of Israel have been waiting for and have been longing for, but the favor that God will show, the love of God that Jesus, the Messiah, is called to live out and to embrace, is not what they think it's going to be. Using the timeless scriptures of the prophet Isaiah, Jesus refers back to two stories that were very familiar to the people at that time. The first one from the prophet Elijah talks about all the widows of Israel who were suffering during a severe famine. But God didn't send Elijah to any of the Jewish widows. No, God sent Elijah to a widow in Sidon, a Gentile, an outcast. And then Jesus tells a story about the prophet Elisha when there had been many lepers throughout Israel. But God did not choose to cleanse any of the Jewish lepers. Instead, he cleanses a Syrian named Naaman, a Gentile, an outsider. With those few words, 
the love that had been so prevalent towards Jesus in that synagogue on that Sabbath day in Nazareth was quickly turning from adoration to confusion, to outright rage. For the gathered crowd, Jesus had not only committed the ultimate blasphemy by saying that he was the anointed Messiah, but he had also decreed that Israel may not be God's only favored people, and that in fact, God's focus might actually be towards those who are outside of their community, and that have not followed the law of Moses as they had. Now, before I go any further, I want to make it clear that Jesus was not intending to destroy or overthrow the Jewish faith or the Jewish culture. He did not come to do that. Jesus was a Jew, born a Jew, and died a Jew. He practiced all of the Jewish customs. Jesus himself said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come not to abolish, but to fulfill. But it was how he fulfilled that law that was so radical and so unnerving for the people of Israel. And the truths that he told, the love that he lived out was not exactly the kind of things they wanted to hear from their God. Just as it was 2,000 years ago in Nazareth, our lives can be a lot easier for us when we stay within our own social communities and customs that we know and that we love. It could be a lot easier and a lot more comfortable if all the outreach we did here at St. John's went right in this room to the people we'd known up, known growing up and loving. I suppose if all of our time and effort went only to us, we'd have a very happy and well-cared-for group of St. John's Episcopalians. And believe me, God has indeed blessed this church in so many ways. But our primary calling as followers of Christ is not to simply incubate the love we have for ourselves. Our true calling and the question that's to drive all that we do is how do we reach out in love? Not just here at church, but also within our own homes, within our families, within our workplaces. How do we reach out to that person that may not even know or maybe cannot even accept that God loves them? That is what a follower of Christ is called to do. And that's also what nearly got Jesus thrown off a cliff. Because as you're probably thinking this morning, it may not be the most comfortable thing you've ever been told to do. It might even shake the foundation of what you thought it means to be a Christian. Jesus said we should love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds. That's the first and great commandment. But the second is just like it. We should love our neighbors just as we love ourselves. Not just those neighbors who are sitting next to you in your pews. Not just your neighbors who happen to live across the street from where your home may be. 
but our neighbors that sometimes we have to go and search out. Our neighbors who may not want to be found because they think they're different, because they're hiding, because they're scared, because they're sad. The love that Christ gave to the world, the love that ultimately ended with Jesus giving himself on a cross for people just like you and me, who he would never even know, is a love that is unlike anything else the world has ever known. In the sacrament of marriage, we as Christians see the love that two people share as a direct representation of the love that Jesus has for us, the church, and for the world. And that reading that we heard from the first letter to the Corinthians is often read at weddings. And while we tend to associate that poetic language with that couple who's being married, it actually goes much further than that. This love of Christ, as St. Paul tells us, is so much more than just a passing feeling or even an infatuation. The love of Christ is patient and kind. It's not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude or resentful. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. And the love of Christ bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The love of Christ never ends.